Has anyone ever had a non-family member house guest for a prolonged period of time? Just a bit of a show of hands. Some, some are like, yeah, I don't want to think back to, to that. We, we have, Lyndall and I have in our world, um, and we've had quite a few over the years. We've had some with disabilities, some that were unemployed, some from overseas, some who were studying. We had a Muslim come and stay with us and one that was getting set up in ministry. And to all of them, we said, well, our home is your home. Just make yourselves feel at home. And when you do that with people, it has a variety of different results, might I just say. So included in all the things that then came out of that statement was we had one particular guest who we never saw. They stayed in their bedroom the entire time until one day they completely vanished. And what happened was they actually moved out and left without saying a word. It was like, if, if I hadn't have experienced it, I would not believe me saying that story. There was another one who, when he stayed with us, um, and we'd offer to cook, like so after work, cooking dinner, we'd say, do you want some dinner? Um, so I'd phone him or text him, do you want some dinner? We're just making it. He'd say, oh, I'm, I'm too busy, I, I won't, won't worry about food. And then about an hour after we ate, his girlfriend turns up with him, and they cook like seafood, salmon, and it's exotic food. Well, I thought you were too busy. He said, oh, yeah, no, I was. I was actually shopping for the dinner. And this wasn't just a one-off. This happened on a frequent basis. We never, we never got seafood. We never got salmon. Never cooked for us. Man, out of all the people we've had stay with us over all the years, there's only been one really solid great experience. And that was, and you can't tell him this because he'll like bragging rights, that was Jason Mountjoy. So those of you that know Jace, uh, Jason and I go way back. He was the grade six boy that laughed and talked with his friend all the way through my induction into Seymour. Um, and nothing's changed since then. Um, but, but Jace came, he's now the community life pastor at New Life and he wasn't the Muslim in, in the selection. He was the one starting out in ministry. Um, but what made him a great house guest? That was the question as I was reflecting this week. I'm like, how did that work so well? And it worked so well because he understood the rhythms of the home and wanted to be part of it. He understood how things worked and went, oh, I want to adapt to this. I want to be part of this household, part of this. Keep that in mind. Listen to what Jesus said. He was talking to his disciples one day. And he was talking to them about how they prolong the experience, how they sustain this experience of being with God. So it's a question we all have. How do we have more of God more often? And we read in verse 23 that Jenny just read, Jesus says, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them and will come to them and we will make our home with them. We will make our home. Jesus wants to make a home with us. And we often read this and we think, oh, that's nice. God's going to move into my place. God's going to move into my heart. God's going to move into my life. It's not actually what's happening. What's actually happening is we are transplanting our lives into God's life. We are going to live with God. We are becoming God's house guest. God is not becoming our house guest. Can you imagine if God were to move into our home? 
Like it wouldn't take long, would it, before we would say, God, you need to respect me. This is my home. You need to respect me. You need to do, you need to get with my agenda, with my program. Like this is how we do things around here. Think about that in terms of your life. God, this is how I will use my life. You can help the good bits get better, but don't muck up the way we do house. It'd be pointless, wouldn't it? What would be the point? of a faith that did that. It would be empty. But this verse isn't saying that at all. This verse is saying that God's home is one that he now says, I choose to share this with you. I choose to share my dwelling with you. God is inviting us to become his housemate. And what makes a good housemate? Understanding the rhythms of the home and wanting to fit in. So last week, we set significant time aside in the service to wait on God, to invite God, to God to encounter us. And today we're looking at how do we sustain that? Like how does that not become an isolated incident, but how does that become a daily experience that we have that feels like we're living with God constantly? Now, Christian culture would say the answer is easy. You just need to pray more. Pray more and you'll experience God more. And prayer is very important. It's absolutely essential, but it's not the entire story. You see, prayer without obedience is just lip service. Jesus was so clear. No, no, you don't praise me with your tongue and betray me with your heart. Jesus said, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. And anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. I.e., if you're not obeying Jesus' teaching, you're telling God, I just don't love you. These words you hear are not my own. I love that. Jesus at the end of it, the disciples were getting nervous, get a little bit agitated. Like that is so unfair. And Jesus gets to the end, he says, Oh, it's not my idea. It's God's. So, Father, if you're going to be mad at anyone, be, be mad at God. You see, God's. God's home has rhythms, and those rhythms are the teachings of Jesus. That's how we adapt to the rhythms of the home. We follow and obey Jesus' teaching. That's why we have transformation tricks. And we're going to do more and more as the year unfolds with this. But this is how we go, all right, Jesus, how did you cultivate community, and what does that mean? We have a resource that we can work through and enable ourselves to learn the teachings of Jesus so that we can obey Jesus, so that we can show Jesus just how much we love him. I really think, though, that too often we treat God as our house guest, but we don't realize that we're actually his. Or worse, we are his house guest and we treat him as poorly as some of our house guests treat Linda and I. So I want you to just take a moment, just in the silence, to answer this question in your own spirit, it's between you and God. What sort of house guest are you to God? Spend 30 seconds just pondering that, prayerfully considering. What sort of house guest are you to God? Picture this just for a moment. God Almighty, like God Almighty, wants to limit himself to living with you. That is a limitation on God. Guaranteed, all of us, Lockie included. Sorry, man. 
God has condensed all of his power and his glory and his majesty into the limits of your capacity to experience him. That's love. What sort of God would do that? A God who was madly in love with those he created. It's like God is saying, I love meeting with you. You love meeting with me? Well, live out these teachings and it's like we get to live together. Remember last week, Paul talked about encountering God and God moving more from the distance of a phone call to walking in the room. And then Jesus is leading us to say, and it's not just that Jesus then hangs out with us in the room and then we leave or Jesus leaves. It's like we say, well, let's move in together. And Jesus says, I'm up for that. Because we're saying, I want to adapt my life to the rhythms of your teaching, to what you teach. And I'm going to obey that and I'm going to follow that. And a taste of that rhythm that so many of you know is volunteering in the church. It's the countless hours and energy you pour in to our church. From all the tasks on a Sunday morning to helping this run, friendship club, play group, youth ministry, art attack, care of the property, administration, pastoral care, children's ministry, music preparation, praying for the church, helping out on tasks and projects, going and helping those who are struggling. So I want us to do something now that we've not done in my time. You may have done it previously. But if you volunteer in our church or actually in any church in any way, and it might be the fact of I just pray for our church. I can't do any more than pray for our church. That is a beautiful, wonderful thing. So if you volunteer in our church, I just want you to stand up. Stand up right now. Right now. Go on. Stand up. Stand up. You guys serve in your church. Stand up. Stand up. Thank you, Rhonda. Thank you, Neil. Good. Nice. Oh, there we go. See, Shirley, are you sitting down still? You, you, you can stay sitting down, but you read the Bible and bless us tremendously. You understand the rhythms of God's household. You get what it is to pour out your life and your heart in service to God, and it is a beautiful, beautiful thing. People are in the kingdom of heaven because of you. And sometimes we can lose sight of that because we're just engulfed in ministry, but people are saved because of you. People are nurtured in their faith because of you. People experience belonging to God because of the way you contribute in all, all variety of ways. Heaven's power is released because of you. You are adding to the richness of people's discipleship. And I want you to be reminded of that. I want you to know that I am so thankful for each and every single one of you. But God is more thankful. God is more thankful in this church and those this church will reach and the churches that you come from will reach. We're so thankful. So let me just pray for you and then, then you can sit down. So stand up just for a few moments. Lord, I thank you so much for the faithfulness of the people in this room who have just chosen in all ways, shapes, manners and forms to contribute their, their life and what you have called them to, to building your kingdom, to contributing to your home. I thank you for their willingness to obey what you have called them to, and I just pray you would bless them. They would experience a blessing of you right now. They would be encouraged by your spirit. 
they would be equipped and spurred on for the work that you have in store for them. And Lord, we just pray this in your powerful and almighty name. Amen. You guys can give each other a, hand, a round of applause. We'll encourage each other. You know, it's awesome. There's a bunch of people that didn't stand up because they're yet to be the fullness of the part of the church. Like, God is doing things. It's not like, oh, well, there's no, God isn't bringing new people here. God is bringing new people here. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing. So if you felt, if you felt terrible that you didn't get to stand up, Come chat to me. I can find something for you to do. <laughs> Jesus had another name for his home. He had another name for his household. In John, it talks about home being this intimate space where we connect with God. But the other phrase Jesus used to talk about his home was the word kingdom. And kingdom is, is language is far more combative. Kingdom is, is where Jesus talks about my reign is and, and the kingdom advances into the place where Jesus says, that's where I want my reign to be. I want, I want, to, I want to be king of kings and lord of lords in every, in every sense. And so we are called, as Riley said a few weeks ago, to be ambassadors. We're called to be ambassadors of this thing. And last Sunday, um, let me share with you a story about how this has worked out in my life. Last Sunday, after church, we had our mast meeting, and we met on Dunland Drive at um, Coralie and Keith Cruz's place. It was at 12 o'clock. And as we drove up, we had an amazing time together and did some really helpful strategic things about our discipleship. But as we rolled up to the meeting, about four houses before we got to the Cruz's place, there was a house with a shade sail set up out the front, and there was a table, and there was a couple of people there, and I felt God give me like, you know one of them? I get a fair bit of them from God. Pay attention to that. So I looked and I stopped. I, I turned the car around. I said to Lyndall, I'll be in in a sec. I've just got, to, I've just got to go down here. And so Zari's like, can I come? Yeah, sure. So we went down to the property that had the shades out. And we found a mum and her daughter, who was probably about the same age as Zari, probably about nine. Um, and uh, she was selling limes. They were huge, and they were delicious. I found out later on. I don't want to spoil her alert. But these huge limes. And so I, so I said, what are you doing? And Zari says, she's selling limes. <laughs> Trying to connect? She goes, oh, I'm selling limes. And then mum said, yeah, she wanted to sell lime juice, but that was, yeah, we just gone with the limes. Like, that sounds sensible. I said, how much are the limes? And Zari goes, Dad, it says on the sign. Sorry, still trying to connect. How much are the limes? We talk about the limes. Talk about this and that. I said uh, it was one for a dollar or three for two dollars. They were huge. So I said, I said, can I have three limes, please? Which was two dollars as a bargain. She goes, yeah, very excited. Jumps up. And then she goes to the limes. She goes, do you want to choose them? I said, no, you choose me the best ones. So she does this, and I give the limes to Zari. I'm like, you've been very helpful so far. Hold them. And then I said, uh, and this is for you, and I gave her $20. So this is for you. She goes, all right, and turns around and said, no, no, I don't need any change. And she looks at me as if I'd just spoken a different language. This little girl, she's like, sorry? <laughs> I said, I don't, don't need any change. Like, it's just be blessed. I really want to encourage you doing what you're doing. And the mum says, like, really? Have all the limes. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, no, you're missing the point. You're missing the point. I said, 
I said, it's amazing what she did. And the mum says, it, it, she just woke up this morning. It was a hot day. She woke up, it was a really hot day, actually. And she goes, I just want to sit out there all day and sell limes. I said, that is amazing. The, the, the passion, the entrepreneurship. I just want to celebrate that and cheer that on and bless you. And the little girl's holding this $20 note. And she's like, her mind's just going, like, what? And then she jumps up and she goes, Dad, I've got 20 bucks and bolts. It's the back door. Is she? Oh. You know, that would be, imagine if everyone from the church just rocked up, <laughs> bought a lime, which is all gone, they're good limes. As I was reflecting on that, the one thing I should have stuck on the end, I should have said, you know, God has done so much for me, I just wanted to pay that forward. It was a teaching for me of God saying, all right, now this is how you fill out that process. It's good. You're learning to listen and to stop and to pay attention and to engage. And, and now I want to equip you into that space. But the kingdom advances by tiny, accumulative acts of love done by those who are obedient. That's how the kingdom of God, the household of God, includes more people in it. And it is far more of a joy than a fear or a burden to obey the king. It is so wonderful to be used in that space. But we cannot advance the kingdom apart from the king. It's his kingdom. And so we must do it in conjunction with him, surrendered to the spirit, listening for what God wants to do. In a moment, we're going to invite those of you who would like to be anointed. We're going to anoint you with oil and pray for you. We're just going to have a, uh, there's going to be Paul, Fiona, and myself at the front. And you're invited to come up in your own time and, um, and we'll anoint you. But we're anointing for the preparation of acts of love that the Holy Spirit will create this week for you. For those of you who are willing, you're like, yeah, I. I want to be more obedient. I want, to, I want to show Jesus his love. If you move into that place, we want to prepare you because God will create opportunities this week, whether it's at your work or with your neighbours or with a total stranger. See, this place is not the point of our impact. It's where we're prepared for our impact. So we, we don't come here for this to be the whole thing of the impact on the world of what the church does. We come here because... We get prepared and readied and resourced and filled to impact in the world, in our worlds. And God trains us in here so we can change the world out there, which is the only direction of Jesus' teachings. It's always in that direction. He hardly says anything, in fact, practically nothing about the church because it was all about you're part of my kingdom, follow me, trust in me, I will be with you always. Go make disciples. Go make disciples. That's Jesus' teaching. Go and make disciples. And everything he taught was about how you do that. And so we must risk it in the little acts of love, building discipleship in ourselves and in others. So we're going to offer an anointing to you. An anointing is a Christian ritual. It comes out of the fact that Jesus was anointed. Jesus is out to lunch with his disciples. A woman comes up to him pours a bucket of priceless perfume on him, and falls at his, his feet weeping, preparing him for the cross, preparing him for what he was to do on the cross. She anoints him in preparation. In the same way that Jesus was prepared, Jesus' anointing prepared him for the cross, we anoint today to prepare you to display what Jesus did on the cross. 
in your lives. You don't have to hang on the cross. Jesus did that for you. You just have to say, look at the one. Look what he did. And so we're going to offer anointing. And for some of you this morning, it might actually not be about moving to the, the, the outskirts of the kingdom and advancing that forward. For some of you, it might be healing. For some of you, it might be discernment that you're just like, I don't, I have this huge decision to make and I don't know. And so, so the anointing is a gift. It's the sense of we, we use physical elements to say, may the presence of God be upon you and prepare you for what is ahead. And so as we do this, we're going to play a hymn. And um, you can stand and sing if you want. You can sit and sing. But we're going to use that opportunity to invite you to come forward. And this may take a while or it may not. If you have to leave and take off or if you're thinking, oh, I'd like a cup of tea now, we can gradually move into that space. So what will happen is our musicians will play, we'll sing the hymn, we'll play a little bit longer and conclude that part of the service, which will conclude our official time together. But we are going to stay at the front and anoint you for as long as you need. And we're here and you might think, oh, I'm not ready to be the first, but I want God to align some things and then come forward. Or you might be like, oh, let me add it. But we're just going to offer this ministry down the front. And it's simply we're just going to put some oil on your forehead and ask you what we can pray for and pray for you. So you don't need to be intimidated about it if it's something, if it's new territory. We'd just love to do that. So let me pray for you as we move into this space. God, we are your church. We are your people. We are your children and we love you. Sometimes it's, it's really hard to, to obey you. And you understand that. But that is why you train us here. You prepare us here. You ready us, you fill us with your spirit. And so as your spirit moves amongst us now, call us into a greater place of vulnerability and trust with you. That we might be anointed. That we might be ushered into a becoming a house guest with you. Of living with you in your rhythms and in your love. So, Lord, we just invite and give permission to your spirit to be amongst us today. Do your work in our hearts as you see fit.